Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I sure appreciate it. Thank you so much to everybody joining us today. Chat is open and welcome. Uh, We have uh, some folks, I think probably from Texas in chat and some folks will be loading in there. I do have it throttled to 10, uh, 10 people. I just learned that I can do that and uh, only 10 because I'd like to be able to at least see what they're doing. Once it gets too too many things, hello to welcome Alaska. Good to have you. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we, the last several weeks, uh, this was supposed to be one sermon. You guys know that. It was only supposed to be one. It turned into three. <sighs> you know, I just estimated poorly time-wise and then I had stuff to say and more stuff to say, but um, I did want to say uh, condolences to Catherine and Austin in the loss of Catherine's grandmother. You know, she was in her 90s and she lived a heck of a life and uh, quite a quite a person, quite a personality. And so we are uh, we grieve we grieve that no matter the age, uh, but at the same time we're just thankful that she had such an awesome life, even though the the feeling of loss is tremendous. So our condolences go out to them and all all of Catherine's family in the loss of her grandmother. Um, I also want to say welcome back, Wes, our brother from uh, out west. It's good to have him back. He had a rough, rough motorcycle journey, and uh, but we're thankful that he came back safely and, and okay, and uh, it's an awesome thing. And we're just thankful for all of you. Uh, this past week I sent out, if you're not on the mailing list, please consider. It's free, free to you. I paid to do it, but it's free to you. If you're not on the mailing list, go to um, www.theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R.com. Go to those, and then when the little pop-up, if you have pop-ups enabled, we're not going to beat you to death with them. It's just one pop-up that comes up. Put your name and your email address in there, and you'll get you'll get our. We only do one or two a week. You know, it's it's not any big deal. Um, but if I post something or there's a big event or something going on or something we'd like for you to pray for or I'm going to be somewhere speaking, that's where you're going to find it. And also there's some cool posts on there. But you also, when we do these uh, messages, you'll get notification. Um, you'll be the first to know. And, and you'll get a link, and it's super, super easy. And so it'll be pretty cool for you to do that. Um, and we are also, I just want to say, uh, my dear friends, the Campanellas, <clears throat> Mrs. Campanella, who Mrs. Betty Campanella, I've known her for 30 years, just about, and loved her for 30 years. And she is 
uh, in the hospital fighting leukemia. We just found out last week. I was just with her a couple of weeks ago at Jacqueline's uh, college graduation party, and uh, I thank God that I hugged on her neck and loved on her and told her how much I love her. And uh, then just a few days later, she ended up in the hospital with leukemia. So she'll be there a while, and she's in her 80s, but she's awesome, and we're going to continue. She's a great person of faith, and um, she's listened before, and then Patricia and um, and her husband are, are supporters of what we do, and they listen. So uh, Patricia's, I think, the oldest. I think she's the oldest uh, out there in California. So God bless the, the Campanella family. Now, let me uh, let me just say this, um, and, and this is important. It's, there were a lot of uh, letters and uh, that I received asking about the, the the story, the play about the biscuits, and there were a lot of people that were really moved by that, and they wanted me to write that out. Um, and I think what I'll do is, you can always listen to it, but what I may do is I may do, do a dramatic presentation of that just that and make a link available for free and then I'm going to do write an ebook a short very brief ebook that will you can kind of follow along and it'll have the link where you can listen live or not live but recording no commercials and then um you'll be able to to have that I never thought of doing that before cuz I never thought people would want it but apparently they do so that's what we'll do also we want to pray for our good friends uh, Bonnie and Steve who are traveling um, and we miss them, and, and I'm, I ate all week long on Bonnie's vegetables. <laughs> there were some vegetables. She brought a big old tray of it in, and last week there were some left over. I took it home, and I ate it every day, you know, so it's good stuff. If you're in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, or New York area, uh, or New Jersey, really, if, if you're across the water, you really should consider coming sometime to this. We meet at 5. We have incredible food. We have Klondike bars. Thank you, Jerry today and we have real helpful stuff uh, we have some pennsylvania dutch stuff we have stuffed shells we have beans uh beautiful salad fruit uh quinoa what do you call that quinoa and some kind of thing i don't think that's the official name quinoa and some kind of thing but it's actually really really good it's super super good and again we thank the stably so much this room is is beautiful and we could fit 100 people in here and you'll be comfortable so we uh we really would love to have you and you'll you'll never get treated better you'll never feel more welcomed and uh just comfortable really really comfortable i mean there's more recliners in here and i think i've ever seen in any house all totaled so there's a lot of comfy seats so and then i won't i can't bang on this lectern because it won't handle banging on it so if you fall asleep i might clap my hands or something that'd be about it but we won't call you up yeah fire off a couple rounds people can't wake some folk up so, so we've been talking about working and, and what Christians are supposed to do and, and all that. And, and, you know, when I wrote my book, um, it's called Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And when I wrote that, I wrote it from two different voices, one from a pastor or a reverend on, you know, the, the uh, whatever you call that thing, behind the pulpit or up on the stage, whatever they call it nowadays in churches, but um, speaking. And then, you know, he's a bivocational guy, so he preaches on Sundays and, and Wednesdays, and then he has a job or a business or something like that, and so he's involved in commerce and working, and he might he might not have a business, he might have a job, he might work somewhere for somebody. And, you know, other than the folks in here that are retired, you know, 
it's, uh, you know, most people have to report to somebody. And even if you own your own business, you report to somebody. As anyone in here has owned your own business. And so there's some questions we have to ask. And if you, if you didn't hear, uh, this is this is part last, by the way. That's what I entitled this, is part last. So uh, this is going to have to be the last one, or there's going to be no more telling story. I can't make this a 16-part series. So I better get going. So... Are we working for Christ? I mean, there's some questions we have to ask in order to apply the first and second session of this. We have to ask ourselves some questions, and and, and they're real. We have to do it. Um, sometimes questions are hard, you know. Anybody in here come to a hard realization or some hard realizations? You ever you really just like a two-by-four in your face? Uh, maybe it was a disappointment. Somebody really, really disappointed you, broke your heart maybe, or at a job you know, you lost the job. Maybe you were trying to do the right thing, and but you got fired, or, or maybe you found out somebody really did you wrong, and and uh, at work or in, in your general life, and somehow or another you got to find a way to keep working. You got to find a way to go to work. Nowadays, the the modern person, I don't want to say the millennial, because the millennials get beat up pretty good, and and I know some great millennial workers. They're really great, uh, great people. They're really solid. But it seems like you know uh, there are even some grown daggone adults that are just whiny and they make their job the whipping post of their life, and it's a shame. You know, it doesn't matter what job you have. It's a reality that we all face is we need commerce. You know, we need money. We need to fund our living, and, and we're not to be, you know, sucking off the taxpayer unless we absolutely have no other choice, you know, of injured or blind. I think blind people, honestly, if you're blind, you should automatically be 100% disabled. I think it's just absolutely crazy that they have to fight so hard to get disability. But the point of all this is 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 that it's it's somewhat chic. It's it's considered okay to whine about your job, to complain about your job. And many jobs, this is a not past not very pastry thing to say, but many jobs just out and out suck. Hello to the Kahalans, by the way. So good to have you. Please keep praying for Chris. Chris and the whole family. We'll have probably an update next week. I haven't had an update in a while, but uh, I sure love that guy, man. I sure love that guy and his whole family. So you have a job, and, and, and that's just a function of real life, and we can't get around that unless you find that money tree. You know, if you don't find the money tree, look, you're just not going to you're not gonna make it, you know, if you just sit around waiting for stuff to fall on. So a lot of people tell me, you know, I just trust the Lord. He'll take care of it uh, with paying their bills, and, and, and then the bill collector comes along and, Bill Collector, you know, may be a believer. I met a guy uh, a couple weeks ago that um, he was actually in my neighborhood, and he was shutting off somebody's electric. I meant to tell you that. I forgot. Shutting off somebody's electric, but he came to my house. It was, yeah, came to my house. And uh, I saw him messing around the my thing. And, I, you know, I have a solar system on my house, too. And I thought, oh, there's trouble with my with my solar unit. So I went down there, lickety-split, and uh, I was couldn't barely walk because I injured my knee. And. I was thinking, doggone, i got to go down all these steps and talk to this fellow. And uh, I had this big ice thing on my knee called a cryo cuff, and it just was inconvenient as I'll get out. But my dog was going to pair through the brick wall to get to him, so I figured I better get down there and save his life. And um, so I went down there and talked to him. He goes, hey, man, I don't want any trouble. And I was like, whoa, hey. And I looked down. Do I have my gun hanging out, or what's the deal here? And I said, oh, no, 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 it's no problem. He goes, man, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm here to shut your electric off for non-payment. And I said, you're not here to shut my electric off. I said, we pay our bills. I can show you. And I said, see that solar system up there? I don't have an electric bill for the last three, four months. So he said, uh, 
he said, well, you're, I won't say the address, but he quoted the address, and we frequently have this problem. Uh, they thought we were the other street, which also had the street number that I have. And I said, oh, no, no, you're on the wrong street. And he goes, I'm on the wrong street. I said, yeah, yeah, you're on the wrong street. And he says, oh, my goodness, I am on the wrong street. I make this mistake all the time. So we talked a little bit. Yeah, man, oh, man, I thought, my goodness, if I flip a switch and it doesn't work, I have no TV or something, and it's dark all up in the house, then I'll know why. Um, so I talked to him a little bit. I said, hey, he felt really bad. I mean, he turned red. He was really, really embarrassed. And I said, hey, that's no problem, buddy. Everybody's got to have a job to do. And I talked to him. I said, you know, I'm preaching about that. But Sunday goes, oh, you're a preacher, man, huh? I said, well, in a manner of speaking. And so we talked a little bit. I said, are you a believer? And he said, yeah, yeah, I am. I said, man, that must be hard for you doing this job. People cussing you out, yelling at you and stuff. He says, you wouldn't believe what people do. They haven't paid their electric bill in three months. That's all he does is shut off. And he said, I hate this job. He said, I got to tell you, I hate this job. It just, it just scratches out my soul all the time. And so I said to him, I said, you know, but it's a job that has to be done. We have to pay our bills. It's just a, it's just a fact of life. We can't get around it. We have to do it. And because we have to do it, somebody has to be put in charge of doing that really rough job. So no matter what job, I said all that to say this, you know, no matter what job you have, there's lots of jobs out there that are less than fun. Uh, most of them, I would even say, are probably less than fun. But we got to ask ourselves before we get too off base here with how we feel and how we express about our job, we got to ask ourselves, are we working for Christ? And in what way, to what extent, and what spirit? When we go to work, what are we doing? You know, when are we late? You know, are we just barely getting there? I, I know people that they're late by just a few minutes every single day. And I think to myself, man, you got to be on time. I do. I think, you know, if they're going to look at us and they're going to say, you know, evaluate us in some way, we got to be above reproach. You know, when you're learning a job, there, you kind of suck a little bit initially. And so you have to take that into consideration. And they have to. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, people have to take into consideration. Bosses, they need to take into consideration, especially if you're a Christian boss. My goodness, the person's learning the job. But it doesn't take anything to get there on time. That's not a big deal. So we have to ask ourselves, are we working for Christ? Are we trying to honor Christ? Are we trying to make the Lord proud of us? You know, Will Hashem be proud of us for what we've done? How fearful the doom of the slothful. Look, you, you look. We just say this. That's in Matthew, book of Matthew. Uh, we can't. We just can't be lazy when we're at work. We just can't be. We can't be lazy. You can't be a Christian and always, all the time, be trying to get out of work. We just can't do it. We can't. We we can't do it. It's it, it, it's uh. uh okay. I, I spoke at uh, Darren, and by the way, our condolences to the Cox family. Uh, buried Mr. Bill Cox this this past week, and that was a tough, tough thing. And uh, we were glad to be there. It was an honor to be invited. And and I can tell you that part of that was uh, Mr. Cox was an hour early every, just about an hour early every day of his working life. And you know that's a tough thing. And I don't know if that's for everybody, but 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just so you know, you give yourself enough time to get there on time. It's all about your testimony. But it's all also all about you're going to be frustrated if you're always trying to beat the clock. I talked about that person that was late all the time. And, and you know, that's a high-stress thing. When they get to work, you're all stressed out. You're all amped up. You're, you're frustrated because some person is always in the left lane going below the speed limit. And there's always something that happens. And you get 
behind. You can't do it. it it's somehow or another, you got to find it inside you to do it. And you can't be slothful once you get there. You can't be lazy once you get there. can't be slow moving. You know, oh, okay, I'll go do it now. Even if you hate your job, you just got to find a way. How great the rewards of the righteous, including dignity, joy, and eternal blessedness. Listen, we're, we're considered the righteous, not because we are righteous. None. None of us are. It's through the imputed righteousness of Christ on the cross, the empty grave. That's the only way we're redeemed. It's through that. So we have to live uh, to the extent that we can. And I failed that miserably. I'll tell you right now, you know, I have failed that miserably many times in my life. And I hate that about myself, but that's I'm human. But I can't give myself an out on it. I have to be what I'm supposed to be to the very best extent that I can. But there are great rewards for, for living a righteous life. Dignity, joy, and eternal blessedness. Listen, that's Folks, I can't tell you how important that is. When you don't have those things in your life, when you've been disrespected or you disrespect yourself, when you are joyless, and I'm going to talk about that if I have time, joyless, something terrible has happened in your life and, and it's robbed you of your joy, it's, it's tough to see the eternal blessedness of plowing through with a good attitude, finding a good way to do it. Colossians 3.24. 3, 23 through 25 teaches this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Another translation says, this is the ESV, says to work heartily. Another one in the New Living Translation, I don't use that very much, but I thought it was interesting, work willingly. Look, if you go to work and it's as though someone is dragging you with an invisible chain and you can hear the clanking of the chains and you can hear slave music and all this stuff, you know, in the background, look, that's, it, can, it shows on your face. Look, I would love to never have to do a lick of work ever again. I would love for my family to never have to do another work. I'd love for all of you and the uh, hundreds of thousands of people out there listening now, I would love for all of you to never have to work again. But you know what? Jerry, I find you to be a great example. Jerry, uh, he is a great master of the English language, except for the word retire. Nobody has really explained to him what retire means, because he has not done it well. Now, do you do fun stuff? Yes, but you work harder in retirement than I ever did working, working. So, but then there's an advantage to that, and we're going to talk about that. The Amplified Bible here says, working from the soul. Now, nobody drags Jerry to work. Nobody drags you to work. Mr. Stable, you own your own business, and you work hard at it. And you expect a lot of yourself. And all of you in here do. You're all, you know, the ones that are, are still working are, are, you expect a lot of yourself, but you work willingly and you work from the soul. Now, what's in your soul? We've got to find a way to figure out what's in our soul. This week, I had a real uh, tough couple of weeks, I'll be real honest with you, a real tough couple of weeks for a myriad of reasons, not worth going into here. But the bottom line is, it caused a lot of reflection and a lot of self evaluation, a lot of, a lot of stuff. And, so I had to ask myself, what's in my soul? You know, where am I, where am I living from? What is it that I'm living from? The, the life that comes, what is it coming from? And we can bumper sticker, right? I've talked about bumper stickery, everything's so bumper stickery. And I, we can talk about that until we're blue in the face. But you know what? I have to tell you, uh, it's a real question we need to ask ourselves a lot of times is, why, what am I living for? And what's in me that is my motor? is my engine, right? What is it? I know, you know, if, if Bonnie were here, she'd say, well, it's your heart, idiot. Your brain, your brain and your heart, but you have feelings and you have a soul and you have, you know, emotions and things. And 
you know, uh, you disappoint yourself, other person disappoints you, another, you know, whoever it is in your life, and then we allow that to impact everything else. It's a, it's a real domino effect. I don't know if anybody can amen on that, but I, I can amen it because I've lived it. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8, you know, if you've been in church 10 minutes or more, you've heard this, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Now, in essence, this is the Christian work ethic. This is really the nuts and bolts here. We're commanded to put forth our best efforts to work from our heart and soul at whatever we do. I'll read it again if you doubt it. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Now, listen. Let me just say this real quick. I had somebody contact me one time, a person that worked in ministry, is known to work in ministry, and he had just gotten a ticket for, I think, 85 or more in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. He put out there publicly, hey, how do I get out of a ticket? Anybody know a good lawyer can get me out of a ticket? My response publicly was, you're a man of the cloth. There's no getting out of the ticket. Pay the ticket. Were you going 85? He goes, heck no, I was going 120. I said, okay, well, guess what? You deserve the ticket you got. Pay your ticket, put an apology in the check down in the memo section, and and do better. Haven't you ever sped? Yeah, yeah, I have sped. But you know what? If I get a ticket for speeding, you pay your ticket. You don't try to get out of your ticket. What I'm saying is you do something wrong, own up to it. There are consequences for everything. There are consequences for everything. There's a lady turn left in front of a motorcyclist. Now, I was, I, I was a motorcyclist. She was driving a bus. I was a motorcyclist for many, many years and many, many miles on a motorcycle. She literally turned left right in front of this guy. He wasn't speeding, wasn't doing anything wrong, and she killed him in the state of Delaware, turning into her yard where the bus she drives. That's just wrong, and there are consequences. She may not have meant to. She may say, well, I didn't see him. doesn't matter what you saw or what you didn't. Your job is to see what's on the road. It was the middle of the day. My point in all this is this. There's consequences sometimes. So if at your job you mess up, you do something wrong, maybe, maybe you mess up and you do something wrong intentionally. And you get caught. You, you mess up. One, we shouldn't be doing wrong things. I, I'm first to tell you, you know, I do something wrong. i got to pay the price, and I'm willing to pay the price. I don't like it, but it's got to happen. But you can't scream very loud if you're, you know, taking stuff from your office. Well, it's just office supplies. They can afford it. Whatever. If they haven't told you, yeah, you can take home as many pens as you like. You can take out pads of paper. Sure. We like to advertise all over people's desks at their house. That's proven to be a very effective form of advertising for us. So, yeah, take all you want. I don't think they're going to say that, but the point of the matter is, is, you know, we we got to do the right thing. We have to do the right thing. And that work ethic is very important, and it comes from who we are in our character. Now, have you ever had a failing of character? Anybody in here have a failing of character ever in your life? But let me tell you something I have. I have in a big way. And and it, whether there's consequences now for it or, or down the road, there will be consequences. Yes, God forgave me. I went to the Lord and I laid my, my hurt habit or hang up or whatever I've done wrong at the foot of the cross, but there may be there may be consequences, however far down, and they may be incredibly great, huge, terrible consequences, but I can't whine about it. I can't whine about it. You do the crime, well, they always say, you got to do the time. So our work flows out of our gratefulness to God, and, and the thing is, is, our best efforts to work from our heart and soul, whatever we do, we're accountable. Yes, we're accountable to the workplace, but we're also accountable to God. 
and the stewards of the gifts that he has given us. You know, sometimes the person we work for, that the manager we work for, might be a jerk. I mean, they might be a jerk. They really might be. They might be weird. They may have crazy ways of doing things. They may have major problems, seriously. They may have major problems. I know somebody that works at a place, and the person who, who runs the place is just off their rocker. They're off their rocker. They're just not right in the head, literally. But you know what? you got to do your job. you got to get there on time. you gotta got to have a good attitude while you're there, and you got to do the right thing while you're there. Then when you go home, leave that job there. Leave that job there. If you have a certain number of hours, leave the job. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. But our work, listen, our work flows out of our gratefulness to God. Gratefulness for a lot of things. Now, this is, this is just, you can all identify. I posted this on social media today. If you don't follow me on social media, this is facebook.com backslash smgreener um, or the Ninja Pastor or Collision of Faith and Politics radio show at the Ninja Pastor on um, Twitter and LinkedIn and all that other crap. You can find me anywhere. Why not? It's no charge. Always, this is what I wrote today, always seek to remember, Grasshopper, success is getting what you want, but happiness is wanting what you get. Now, that's, God's been going a long time that said that. However, this is my part. Free hard-earned advice from Dr. Sean. It isn't that some folks don't have enough of this or that. It's that they'll never be happy with anything, no matter what or who or how it is. If there are people in your life who are just never happy with anything, with anyone, jettison them from your life. Do it now. Do it today. Don't wait around. It won't get better. It just won't. They will never trust God. Because see, let me just say this. Let me go back a second. Here's why. Because, and this is the hard truth. This is the hard truth of the true story. It is an ambition that they have. Well, I'm never satisfied with anything because I always want to do better for myself. You've heard people say that, haven't you? Well, I want to improve my station in life. Well, I want to be in better health. You know, there's some people that you can study health stuff too much. I know uh, sometimes doctors hate it when the first goes, oh, I saw on, you know, such and such website. You know, well, I ordered this and that. I was bad for that for a long time. I would order everything because I was desperate. I was desperate. I wanted to live and not die. I wanted to live well and not, you know, be feeble before I die. I don't care when the dying part is, but I didn't want to be feeble. I didn't want to be just all ragged out all worn out. And then I realized, you know what, I can read all this stuff all I want. When I was in sales and I had a business and I had to sell big stuff, you know, big investments and stuff, I remember uh, I got the world's best training. I went out and got the world's best training. Tony Robbins, um, Zig Ziglar, I've met them and spent time with them personally one-on-one -on -one for weeks at a time and, and uh, invested huge money with them. Uh, Jim Rohn, one of the greatest men to ever walk this planet, honestly, just truly, truly one of the greatest people ever on the planet, an incredible believer. So is uh, Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, a huge believer. You may not think so, but he really, really is. Um, I literally saw him lead thousands to Christ at one of his rallies. So believe you me, he is what he says he is. Um, but the hard truth it is, you know, at some point or another, I got to look at that and go, okay, do I have enough information? I've read enough. I've studied enough okay, there's always more to know, but you got to stop at some point reading all these books and listening to all these CDs and MP3s and all this stuff and downloading all these books. At some point or another, you've got to ride, you've got to run what brung you. You've got you've to you've say, okay, this is how I'm going to go. You can't keep changing. It'll mess your brain up. It'll mess your mind up. It really will. And it's the same 
way sometimes with other aspects of our life. It's not ambition. It's not ambition sometimes. It's never being satisfied. And it's really at its core perpetual ingratitude to God. I've heard people tell me when I've said, hey, listen, you need to be thankful for what you have. Find a way to be grateful. Live grateful. And you know people that are always switching. They're always switching jobs. They're always switching uh, everything. They switch everything. They'll switch, well, I'm going to try this. And then I'm going to try this. And then I'm going to try that. You know what? Those people switch mates too. Grass is always greener, right? Grass is always greener, but it's not. And it may be greener, but it may not taste better. But the fact of the matter is, is those people switch and switch and switch, and they switch everything in their life. And they don't put down roots. And they're always in ungrateful. They'll never trust God. They will never trust you. Trust me on this, and you should never trust them. A person that is perpetually aggrieved and perpetually ungrateful and never satisfied, never joyous, never happy with anything, never content, don't trust that person. That person is not trustworthy. They've got a hole in their heart that only God can fill. But, you know, the sad part of it is they'll never trust God. They'll never trust you. You should never trust them. And they'll never be happy. They'll always blame someone else. And if you're close to them, they will blame you. No matter what, they'll blame you. And you know what? That's heartbreaking. You get spun out into a relationship like that. How many ever been in that? Uh, you got hands going up all over. I- I've been in that. I've been in that situation. You're trying to help and help and help, trying to love somebody, trying to care for somebody, trying to help them along, protect them from what's coming. And, and, and you're the one that gets, right? Your arms are out. You're trying to hug them, and they're slashing your wrist. They're betraying your trust. They're betraying your heart. They're betraying your goodwill. They're betraying your dedication. They're always going to blame somebody else for their perpetual unhappiness. And if you're close to them, they're going to blame you. They will never bring you joy, only heartache. They will never bring you joy. They'll only bring you heartache. They'll be unfaithful in every way to you and everyone else who loves them. And you'll never make them happy, and you will never heal them. They'll never be happy, and they'll see to it you'll never be happy either. Listen, a lot of people in the workplace like this, what you see, why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? Gratitude is so key. And you ask what's in your soul. I ask that of myself. What's in my soul? What's driving me? What's my engine? And I say, I have to say to myself, you know, I really have to look hard at myself. This has been a hard reflecting couple of weeks, hasn't it, for me? You were asking me, you all right? You sure you're all right? No, I'm really not all right. I got a lot going on in my head. I got a lot going on in my heart, dealing with a lot of things. And so you come to these conclusions and you, you, you realize some things. Some people will never be happy, and they'll see to it you'll never be happy either. You can't trust someone who is never happy with anything. You can't. That person is not trustworthy. And, and you know, I know you know people. Who in here knows somebody like that? You know somebody perpetually? You can't trust them. You can't, you can't trust them. You can't put anything. Don't ever lay yourself out for them because they, they'll run over you. They'll run over you. Not, and I wrote this today on my social media thing and on my – I did a blog post at, at uh, drshongreener.com, theninjapastor.com. Go check it out. This is in greater detail there. And some of my photographs, which are for sale, by the way. Not for nothing, Sean. Usually the perpetually unhappy and always aggrieved actually have a much better life than most people do. You ever, you ever know that, that person that's never happy? You say, hey, let's sit down and talk about your life. Let's take a few minutes and let's figure out about your life. Let's really – Let's really pick this apart because, wow, maybe you do have a terrible life. And then you start little by little looking at their life and you say, now, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but you make good money. You have a good job. I mean, I love it. You have a good job. Your future is secure financially and 
your great health, you know, you have a great place to live, may not be exactly what you want, but you're good. You have a nice, safe car to drive. You should probably wash it more. Take good care of it if you want to appreciate it. If you don't want it to leave you along the side of the road, guess what? Take good care of it. That's how you show gratitude. That's every little step of the way you show gratitude. Somebody said to me one time, no, I don't ever lock my car or my house because I don't want God to think I don't trust him. I said, man, you're foolish. You're you're showing ingratitude to God. Lock your garage. You park your if you're fortunate enough to have a garage, I don't have a garage. But if you're fortunate enough to have a garage, you better lock your garage. Lock up your car. That's showing gratitude to God. Thank you, Father. Forgive me what you've given me. But when you start looking at their life, you have to conclude, you know what? You've got it better than most people. Why are you so unhappy? And sometimes it's just because it's a bucket full of crazy. They're just a bucket full of crazy. And you need to stay away from buckets full of crazy no matter what it looks like on the outside or what it is pretending to be. Crazy is crazy, folks. You've got to trust your gut. Seriously. Sometimes crazy doesn't look crazy, but it is crazy. And there's a lot of crazy walking around. It looks normal. Talks normal. Acts normal for a while. But then they done lose it on you. And guess what? They're going to steal your joy. They're going to steal your joy, and they'll act in a way you cannot figure out. You'll look at them and say, my goodness, how in the world does a person act like this? And you'll be disappointed, and you'll be hurt. You can't trust crazy. You've got to trust your gut. You have a choice, and it's up to you to choose. This is free advice, and it's worth it at twice the price. God instituted work with creation prior to the fall. See, it goes all the way back to that. It's our, listen, as a Christian, our roots are being hard workers and 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 and, and being good workers and and, and 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 that all started prior to the fall in creation. Genesis two fifteen, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. After Adam and Eve sinned, work became toil. Before it, it wasn't toil. Genesis three seventeen through nineteen, but work itself is included in the very good part of creation. Genesis one thirty one. He talks about it being good. We had to work it and take care of it. God said the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. We were we were born our first the first man and woman ever on the earth. Work it and take care of it. My friend up in upstate New York, he has probably one of the nice he and his wife Louise have one of the nicest gardens I think I have ever seen. I'm telling you, it is something. It's unreal. You know who I'm talking about. I'm telling you, it looks like a professionally maintained garden. Uh, he can live. He and his wife can live off of what they grow, literally stuff. And it's just so manicured and 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 so carefully maintained. He's retired. She's retired. They they work to God. They work unto God. They they do what they're supposed to do. We were put in the Garden of Eden, and we we're to work and take care of it, no matter what it is. Work itself, very good part of creation. Throughout the Old Testament, God gave the Israelites specific instructions about how to do their work. I'm not kidding about this. I'll, I'll even prove it. He also gave instructions about providing for those who had less. Now, I talked a little bit about that perpetually joyless person, that perpetually unsatisfied, that always unsatisfied person that you need to stay away from. If they're if they're just always, you know, they're happy for five minutes, you know, they would pray, 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 Lord, give me this. And the Lord gives you that. And then five seconds into it, you're thinking of all the problems all of a sudden. You ever, you ever know somebody like that? Maybe you. I don't know. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but you prayed for a job forever. You prayed for a mate forever. You prayed for a house forever. You prayed to have a certain car forever. Pray, 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 pray. God gives it to you. Ten seconds after the Lord gives you that thing, 
you go into the Eeyore mode already. Oh, now I'm going to have to wash the car. Now I'm going to have to clean the house. Oh, I don't like my boss at my job. You know, it's just, come on. Then you ask, same way with a, a mate. God, give me a mate, a true mate. You know what? People aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't easy being my love wife. I can tell you, it's, hey, listen, that's hard work. Seriously, I, I'm not being funny. I'm not being self-deprecating. It is hard work, especially now after the crash. I have a brain injury that affects a lot of, and it's not an excuse except for your brain control stuff, and I've come to realize sometimes I do stuff I don't even realize I'm doing it. My feelings are much more raw. My I'm much more sensitive than I ever was. I'd let stuff roll. You know what I do? I make decisions I would have never, ever made pre-crash. It's my brain. It controls everything in my body. And the fact of the matter is I'm constantly fighting that, trying to realize reality. So it's no picnic being my love wife. Truth be told. But here's the thing. God gave Israelites specific instructions about how to do their work, how to do their work. He gave instructions about providing for those who had less. And sometimes people, they do need help. I talked about people that have good jobs and they hate them. But you know what? We pay taxes and some part of those taxes go to providing for things, you know, roads and all that stuff and defense, national defense. And some parts of it are, are you know, for, for helping the less fortunate, the truly less fortunate, not the perpetually unemployed, for you know, for intensive free ride. I'm talking about people really who wasn't their fault. You know, it wasn't their fault what happened to them. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Man, he finishes up with that. I am the Lord your God. In other words, I'm telling you, if you want to be like I want you to be, you got to do that. That's Leviticus 23:22. So what that meant was, in, in the Hebrew culture, is you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't take up all the grain. You'd leave some at the edge of the field where people walk by. And those is, refers to alien. We're not talking about illegal, alien, illegal aliens. We're talking about people who were foreign to your land. They're, they're coming through, and they're going to be hungry. Listen, it was desert. The Hebrew land, there were deserts, man. And so there'd be a field. Don't take up all of it. Leave some for the unfortunate. Leave some for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. It's not a suggestion. It's just not a suggestion. This command confirms the importance of work. God doesn't tell the people to harvest everything and then simply give food to the poor. No, he doesn't do that. Instead, he tells them to leave enough of the grain to allow the poor to work for themselves. I have long said we need to drug test people who are on taxpayer assistance. I, I, there are some states that do it, and th there's just scores of lawsuits against them that the left has done. I can't understand why the left is so against Something like that. It doesn't make any sense. But that buys them votes, and they don't want anybody interfering with that. The fact of the matter of it is, is if there is something we can do, then we're to do it. Allow the poor to work for themselves. And you know what? we got to allow that to happen because it robs you of your dignity. It robs you of your purpose. It robs you of your productivity when you don't have anything. Work has a way of giving us that sense of purpose, productivity, and dignity. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, they contain some wise sayings about work. I'll share them with you now. Proverbs 14.23, it teaches... All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Listen, some folks, they flap their jowls, you know. Their pie hole is always open and nothing good is ever coming out. Cooler all. If you're an office person, don't be at the water cooler all day long talking. Don't be taking 200 breaks. Don't be making excuses. Do your job. 
keep your nose to the grindstone, do what you're supposed to do. Don't talk about how hard you work, just work. Don't tell everybody how hard you work, just work. We all know people at, at work that they, they are so lazy. They talk, the way they talk, man, you think, man, they, you ought to be sweating. You ought to have a change of shirts here because this is an office job. You're working so darn hard according to you. You ought to be wore out. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 teaches this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man? Man, write that down. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. That's the wisdom. That's the wisdom book right there. Proverbs, how to live, how to work, how to do right. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. You got to write that down. Ecclesiastes 9, 10 instructs this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Listen, a strong work ethic is confirmed with warnings against being slack, lazy. The New Testament contains another important principle regarding work, unless you think I only talk about the Old Testament. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. That's 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Pretty clear. I don't have to interpret it. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Now, will not work. It doesn't say cannot work. It says will not work, right? And this means, if you break it all down to the Hebrew, break it all down, what it means is, is if you are lazy, if you are a sloth, if you are a sluggard, if you just plain won't work, not that you can't, not that something happened to you, but you won't work, guess what? Guess what? You won't eat. You won't eat. The refusal of an able-bodied man to work should have the consequence that he lacks food. Seems very basic and simple and harsh. In this society, we just can't imagine somebody not eating. Now, we have very generous people in here that do a lot of amazing, generous things for a lot of people, help a lot of people out. And and many of you are very generous to the poor and downtrodden and people who've been victimized. And, and that's a beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing. That is what we're supposed to do. But what we are not supposed to do is somebody that is just plain scamming the system. You know, they're just scamming the system. You say, well, I let God handle whether or not they're doing the right thing or they're not doing the right thing. I let God handle that. No, you've got to do your due diligence because you have a responsibility to that money that God gave you through having that job, through you doing your work, through you do working well, and it's not just to be, you know. And listen, lest you think I'm saying don't be generous. Christians conservative Christians are 82% more generous than the left, the whole left, whether you're a Christian on the left or otherwise, person of faith or otherwise, the left, the right is conservative Christian, 82% more generous. Paul says that an idle man, this is the Shaul, uh, the apostle Paul says, an idle man who refuses to work should not be part of the church. That's verse six there, same passage. Listen, you, if it, look, you know, if you're a lazy bones, you can't just go, well, we're not going to let that person come in. We're not going to give them the code to the door of the church. We're not let them come in because they're lazy. Everybody knows they're lazy. You don't do that until you go to them and say, hey, you know, listen, the word around town is that many of the people that are in here that you've worked for, Christian employers, say you're lazy. You don't show up to work. You're lazy. You're undependable. Guess what? We can't let you, you, you need, and, and this is where pastors and deacons and and uh, and elders and, and mature people in the church get with that person and say, hey, you want to learn how to do it the right way? We'll show you. We'll invest in you. We'll sow a seed in you. We'll invest in you, and we'll help you know how to work. I learned to work. I don't think he's listening.
I learned to work from a guy that's only one year older than me. His name is Chuck Backus. He's the hardest worker, most cheerful worker I've ever seen in my life. And that guy, when we were teenagers, we used to work in restaurants down in the shore at the, at, you know, the, I grew up in like a resort area. Uh, I'm telling you what, that boy worked it. That boy worked it. I saw him work and he was always happy. He was always laughing. My goodness, he was always happy. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you work so hard. And I watched him. And I watched him and I said, I need to emulate what this fellow's doing. He was, he was my best friend growing up. I need to emulate what he's doing. I need to do like he's doing. And you know what? He taught me a lot of things. He taught me how not to waste time. He taught me how not to waste my steps. He taught me how. And let me say this about jobs. Let me say this. I've had some crap jobs, man. I'm not kidding you. I've had some crap jobs that I hated. Oof, I hated it. But I had this lady. I worked at this one place one time. The title of it was Eat Here. It was an outdoor Greek barbecue place. Kid you not. Growing up. I used to ride my bicycle six and a half miles there every morning to work there. And I would work there until the evening. I mean, it was, I was a kid, a young kid. And, and I remember the lady that was kind of in charge of the kitchen. She sat me down one day. And it was hot as all get up. We didn't have air conditioning in the in where they did all the cooking and washing the dishes and all that stuff. We didn't have any of that. It was meant to be an outdoor barbecue, and but on a you know big scale. I got to tell you, the food was amazing. No kidding. So she said, "Listen, honey, that's what she called me. People that like me sometimes call me honey, unless they say it like this. Oh, honey, you don't know. You better act like you know. If it if it's after that, it, then it doesn't work the same way. It doesn't mean the same thing. So she sat me down. She said, "Honey, come on here. I'm gonna teach you something." And this is before I started working with my buddy Chuck. And she said, listen, you can walk and walk and walk and run from place to place. I can tell you've got a lot of hustle in you. You've probably got good parents that taught you how to work. But you know what? You're wasting a lot of your effort. Work smart. Work smart. Still work hard, but work smart. Let me show you some ways I can save you some steps. I remember when I worked with my buddy Chuck, he, he, he said that. He said, well, I don't have to take, teach you the basics. I just get to teach you the finer points, you know. And uh, he never really thought he taught me anything, but he did. He really did teach me how to work hard. And I'm thankful for that. But Shaul and his command set a good example of hard work. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. Don't look for a free ride. And listen, I'm talking to pastors out there. I am talking to pastors out there. I know pastors right now. I know pastors right now that their whole life is dedicated to getting a free ride. And it's sad because it's embarrassing to the kingdom. Everything's about a free ride. Wine and moan and complain. Whine and moan and complain. Then, to, I mean, out loud to the congregation, anybody will listen. And then all of a sudden, a box of food shows up at their door. Oh, thank the Lord. He answers prayer. Yeah, he does. Because he gives somebody a sympathetic heart for you when you don't deserve that. You need to work and do the right thing. It says, we didn't eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we walk, we work day and night, laboring and toiling so that you would not be a burden. To, we would not be a burden to any of you. Bivocational. Except for the last three years of of, uh, of Jesus Christ's life, Yeshua Hamashiach, except for the last three years, he worked laborer work. He worked hard work. He worked hard work. And his body showed it. He was in great shape. And then he spent three years walking all over the land. There were no Ubers back then. And he was in great shape. But, boy, that's how he got That's how he knew how to reach these people that were working so hard. That's why he could say with a straight face, y'all need to work. And even during his ministry, they worked. Christians should work hard. Work is integral to life. And approaching work as God-given, look, that's going to give you more pleasure in that work. 
It's that simple. To the person who hates their job, focus on who gave you the job. You say, well, I, God would never have given me this job. It's working. You know, maybe maybe you're working in a place. I, I have people that contact me all the time. They're, uh, you know, working in, in, in an industry or a job that maybe is not in alignment with your values. You don't know why God put you there. I know a guy that works in a place, LGBT, you know, very pro-LGBT. That is what they do. You say, well, why am I here? God gave you that job. You wouldn't have gotten that. God didn't give it to you. There's something for you there to do. I know another guy works in a in a uh, alcohol distribution place. Now, I, you'll never hear me preach against a little bit of wine or a little bit of beer or whatever like that. You will hear me preach. If you've got a problem with alcohol, you need to stay away from it. If you're all the time getting drunk and you, you can't drink a sip of wine or a glass of wine or a glass of beer, and you're always, I almost slipped a little bit, use my term for it, but if you're always banged up real hard, that's not for you. That's not for you. We don't know why God has us in place. But if we focus on the fact that our job comes from God, then we'll take more pleasure in it. We can work cheerfully and without complaint because we're working for the Lord who loves us and who has redeemed us. Listen, let me tell you something. God many times redeems us through a job. Father, I'm hungry. Father, I'm worried about my family. Father, I need to have health insurance for my father. I need to, I'm I'm bored in my life and my mind, you know, maybe some people's minds is a little they're a little bit shaky. They've got some mental health or, or emotional health issues and they need a place to go. They need to be around people. And so then God gives them that job. Here, you're around people, you got a place to go. Get there on time. Be thankful. Be thankful you represent me. While you're there, it may not be forever. It may not be forever. Good work ethic, it can also be a witness to others. That's kind of what I've been leaning toward. Matthew 5:16. the world takes notice of our efforts and they wonder why we do what we do. Listen, how many times have you seen somebody in the workplace, somewhere where you are, no matter where it's been? I just told you about that lady at this place called Eat Here. I kid you not, that was its name. Eat Here, the big signs, Eat Here, that's what it's called. She worked in that hot kitchen with those big giant grilling things, those big giant barbecue pits, all day. She was the only cook. We did, we had multiple people do different shifts, but she was there from open to close, after close. And I'm telling you, she was a little bit of a hard woman. She was a little bit hard. You knew, you knew she'd worked hard in her life. And you knew she didn't have an education level that would put her, in a, or, or an opportunity level that would put her into a place where she could have a job where she didn't have to kill herself. But she did it. I'm telling you what, I never heard that lady complain. I honestly never heard that lady complain. Never, not once. It's a witness to others. The world takes notice of our efforts. They wonder why we do what we do. I wondered why she was so happy. It is important to note that the Bible does not condone workaholism. And you know workaholics. I was one. I was one. But why was I a workaholic? Because I, I said, i got to take care of my family. I was running a business. I was the business physically you know, brain-wise, marketing-wise, I did, it was me. I wasn't saying, hey, go here, do that. I was the one under the house. I was the one in the attic. I was the one, you know, doing hard, dangerous work. And you know what? It's got to be done. And sometimes if you're going to do it, it's going to take 80 hours in a week to do it. But you know what? If you work because you don't want to be at home or you work that much because you think, if I can just get a certain amount of money in the bank, I'll be happy. If I could just get a certain amount of security in the natural, then I'll be happy. 
man, I told you what I wrote in social media. That applies. Listen, it doesn't work. That that dog doesn't hunt. It's I'm telling you right now, that's the path to an early grave, and you'll be frowning when you die. Don't be a workaholic. Work doesn't merely mean we're not. It's not all about amassing worldly wealth. In fact, Matthew 16. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 19 through 34, it warns about this. We work to bring glory to God. This is why we do things. We don't work ourselves into the ground or the extent that our health is damaged or, or somehow our family suffer. You say, well, I have to work this hard because if I don't work this hard, my family will suffer. They won't have the nice sneakers that they want. They won't have the nice car that they want. They won't have the fancy this or that. They don't need that. You know what they want? They want you. They want you. They want you in their life. They want you next to them. Now, there are, there are some jobs, military, police, uh, doctors and nurses, that you work stupid hours, just crazy stupid hours. And it seems like you'll never stop. Business owners, sometimes as the business owner, if you're the business, ain't nobody else going to do it. you got to do it, especially early on. You might have a good employee that helps you be able to be home at a reasonable hour. But guess what? Sometimes employees leave or something happens to them, and then you got to take up the slack until you can find another good employee. It's the number one resource that we need is good good people to work. If there were more Christians that were good Christians and good workers at the same time, I don't think we'd have that problem. What about you? God is more interested in a relationship with us than he is in what we do. He's unimpressed by our title. He's unimpressed. You know what? God instituted Shabbat. i got to speed up. God instituted Shabbat at the beginning of creation, the Sabbath. He did the work of creation for six days and then he ceased. Look, God is, I don't know if you ever thought of it, you ever think of this? God is omnipotent, but he didn't need rest. He was setting an example for us. He didn't need to rest. What's he need to rest? In the Ten Commandments, God confirmed both the importance of work and rest. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Exodus 20, 9 and 10. Later we see that God even required a Sabbath for the fields. Leviticus 27. We are told that the Sabbath was made for man. Mark Twenty-seven. You say, well, that's the old past. Say it again. He numbered six and then named the seventh. That's a, that's, I love, one of my professors used to say that all the time. He numbered six of the days and then he named the seventh. Gave it a name, a Hebrew name, a name that had meaning. That's got to mean something to you. It's got to mean something. And look, it's a gift of the day of rest, the Sabbath, the Shabbat, that we are wise to accept. So while Christians are called to have a strong work ethic and work hard at all that they do, they are also called to take times of rest. Listen, there, I'm gonna, this is to everybody here and everybody out in the land. Last week we had 219,000 people listening to this message. Last week. Praise God. What a blessing. I got awesome comments from people. I had a lady that placed her faith in Christ, a young woman, um, and she's, we sent a Bible to her, and she's She's good to go. She's fired up every day. She sends me an encouraging message. She says, how do I pronounce this word? So I send her the recording of pronouncing it. She's reading the ink off that Bible. Good thing we gave her a good one. And I, I know I've said in the past three sermons of this, but I, Jason Crabb, if you have the Google or whatever engine you use, uh, search Jason Crabb, and I'm telling you, he's awesome. And then this song, Sometimes It Takes a Mountain. I faced a mountain that I never faced before. That's why I'm calling on the Lord. I know it's been a while, but, the, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Sometimes it takes a mountain, sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Forgive me, Jesus. I thought I could control whatever my life would throw my way. 
But this, I will admit, has brought me to my knees. I need you, Lord, and I'm not ashamed to say, sometimes it takes a mountain, sometimes a troubled sea, sometimes it takes a desert to get a hold of me. Your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and believe. Listen, folks, I want you to understand as we close, I want you to understand something very, very important. This is the most important thing I've said. If anything that I've said today is of any importance to you, this is it. I've talked about how Christians should work. And if you're not a Christian, if you're listening out there and you're not a Christian, get a hold of me. Send me a text, send me email through drseangreener.com or private message on Facebook or Twitter directly, any of those things, get a hold of me. Get, email's not the best because I get 20-some thousand emails a week. I try to get to them, but sometimes I miss them. And then the weeks add up. I'm doing the best I can. But get a hold of me any way that you can. Keep trying. And I'll talk to you. I'll call you up wherever you are in the world. We will, we will work through it. It's simple. It's so simple. Christ did all the hard work on the cross. He overcame, overcame the grave just like he said he would. If, if you say, well, I hear all about these Christian workers, then all I know are people who claim to be Christian. And they're lazy. They're the laziest people at the job. They whine the most. I don't even like being around them, be as he said. Next thing I want to say is this, and in closing, is there are a lot of people out there dealing with a lot of hard stuff. I am not immune or dispassionate to the hard things. Nobody here in this kehala, and we pray at the end of this service, we pray for the people that listen and that, that you would come to know Christ. That's what we are about, true followers of the way. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much to chat. I look forward to reading all your awesome uh, comments. It's just, it's un unreal how you people are. It's such a vibrant thing, this chat. And so join us if you're a person that's sitting at a computer and you can do that. You can listen and let your enjoy these awesome people. I will tell you this, uh, every little thing that you do to help this ministry is awesome. I'm a huge fan uh, of it and when you, um, hit the donate page on our website, theninjapastor.com. Every penny of that goes to this ministry, furthering this ministry and making it happen. Um, church is free, but it ain't cheap. And so I thank you for that. Um, in closing, I, I want to just, I, I just want to reach out to all those people that you love that are critically important to you. Loss of a relationship, loss of maybe a job, loss of a friend or neighbor loss of security, loss of a home, um, you've been disappointed. I'm telling you, I can testify. God can heal every wound. He can, he can wipe away every tear, and he can give you joy. Do not be afraid to live joyfully and gratefully. God bless you, and thank you so much.